Yes, that you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, and we're returning back to our Sunday school lesson of uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks, uh, and I'm following roughly his outline, as I stated before, this is not... If you want to know what he says in his book, you got to read his book or you can get it on audio. It's free on audio on uh, YouTube in several places. You can even get the book, by the way, uh, free on uh, look, Google it up and, and you can get it or you can buy it from Amazon. But anyway, it's an excellent book. I would say the best book that I've read on spiritual warfare and we're we're going to be looking at, this is kind of the theme verse, what well, is the theme verse for this entire study. And before we read it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, once again, pray for your blessings upon your word. And I know, Lord, your word is always blessed, but may it, our hearts be open, Lord, to receive your word uh, this morning. And Lord, equip us in our daily fights against this world, the devil and our own flesh. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, uh, which, as, as I said earlier, is the theme of this entire study. Lest Satan should get an advantage of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, especially that last phrase, we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, we are don't lack knowledge of his strategies, his attacks. Uh, and we shouldn't be ignorant of Satan's devices that he uses against us every day. And today's lesson, the theme is going to be just six chapters over to uh chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, here in 2 Corinthians, where Paul is talking about uh, these deceivers, and he states, verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of, the, of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So uh, a reminder here, when it comes to Satan, Satan is the master of deception. Uh, he's. I know we, you know, we see sometimes uh, some of these Hollywood movies and music videos. Satan has the big, you know, he's red, got the big horns, evil teeth. And don't get me wrong, Satan is described in the Bible in First Peter five eight as a roaring lion, as a dragon in Revelation. That's his. That's his true colors. But Satan disguises his true colors when it comes to us. Uh, he will 
make that which is evil seem good. And we must watch out. He is an angel of light. He, he, he disguises himself. He cloaks himself, not the monster that he really is. And he will do that with your sins also. In our first lesson, we saw that uh, Brooks mentions the first device of Satan was to present the bait but hide the hook. And I believe that's a good number one. I believe uh, he presents the bait in our temptation. Oh, it looks so good when we're tempted or so, so desirous. But he hides the hook that's going to catch you and it's going to hurt you and destroy you. Today we're going to look at two more devices of Satan uh, that Brooks mentions and that this angel of light that the devil uses to deceive us, to attack us. And remember that uh, this study is primarily aimed at Christians, that we got to be ready. Look, the world's already in bondage to the devil. Uh, he has them. He wants to keep them. But we who are believers, he wants to ensnare us and bring us down, destroy our Christian testimony. The second device that Brooks mentions that Satan uses, I'm paraphrasing, by the way, he uses a lot of older English, and so I'm kind of updating his English a little bit, uh, but is to paint sin as being virtuous or good. And boy, are we seeing that today, aren't we? How many of you see those t-shirts, love is love and the rainbow? You know what they're talking about. You know, it does, you love who you want to love. And, and look, listen, listen, to, their, uh, listen to, their, uh, to their arguments. Look, there's so many lonely people in the world. And how can you be against two people loving one another who are, even though they're of the same sex, how can you be, be against that? How's it hurting you? See, the, how, the, they love one another. See the, the argument there? You're against love. And hey, you paint it with a rainbow. You know, rainbows are pretty and nice. Uh, look, it's a temptation that many people... Look, I, I'll say this. It's a temptation many Christian parents are facing nowadays, especially if you've got kids. Because I promise you, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect... It's not just something that affects people in New York City. It's going to affect people in Tangibaho Parish, in Livingston Parish. You know, it, it, hey, it's easy to say amen to that. But what happens when it's your child who comes out as gay or transgender, or your grandchild, and you're invited to the wedding? And I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because I know we've talked about a prominent Reformed preacher got himself in hot water on that. Uh, but... How are you going to react? See, that's how Satan works. Oh, you're you just you're judging them. You hate them. You're so mean. And look, he can make you feel guilty. Maybe I am. See, that's what Satan does. He paints sin as virtuous. Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said years ago that this is a problem that churches are going to have to face. That we're going to see the true colors of a lot of big ministries. Because if you start preaching against, say, the gay rights, transgenderism today, you're going to be looked on almost like the Klan. I mean, that's how they're going to paint you. Uh, what are we going to do? It's a major problem. 
Satan is great about painting uh, you know, sin as virtuous. Look, even in our society, which is a capitalistic society, our, our, our kind of capitalistic, <laughs> but the many, and look, I'm not no communist or socialist, but any society without God, any system we have is going, can become evil. Uh, capitalism come pure greed. Greed's a sin, you know that? It's greed, you know. And gr what's, as, as uh, Brooks states, we can say greed is just good business. You know, just, we'll, we'll pay, the, uh, pay our workers as low a wage and make as much money as we can for the stockholders and uh, cut as many. You see, greed is good business. Bible says greed is a work of the flesh, though. So, uh, so even that said, but you can you can uh, you can uh, uh, you know paint something like that as good because it brings money in the economy. Beware, folks, on that. Uh, you say drunkenness is good fellowship. How many people laugh and joke about how they had a good time with their friends, uh, getting drunk? Look. But Mardi Gras week's coming, and and New Orleans is notorious for its debauchery, not just at Mardi Gras, but but especially at Mardi Gras. Uh, uh, hey, that's just good fellowship, good fun is all it is. Uh, say, you know, you know, how can you be against people just kind of blowing off some steam when they work, you know, forty hours a week? And all this. This is how Satan will paint sin. Well, uh, in his book, Brooks mentions some remedies against these attacks. The attack of, you know, that painting sin is virtuous, as good. Like I said, Satan is, as the Bible states, Satan is like an angel of light. That's what he does. Remedy one, number one, Brooks says, to see sin that remember that sin is filthy regardless of its appearance. It doesn't matter if you paint it with all the virtues, with rainbows and all this stuff. It's still filthy. It's still filthy. What did Paul state in Romans 6.23? The wages of sin is death. Uh, look, prices right now when it comes to, when you come to Walmart or any grocery store, they're high on a lot of stuff. Somebody, they were, they was getting a, a soda out of one of our soda machines, these big sodas, or I think may have been it's a tea. He said, gosh, it's $2.25 for like a 20-ounce tea, which is ridiculous. I mean, you can go buy a big jug in the store for that. Uh, those prices shift back up and down. But the price on sin remains the same. Death. It's not, it doesn't matter how society changes. It doesn't matter, my friends, how much society will try to change and say that this is acceptable now. God's word remains the same. The wages of sin is death. And if we allow the sins of this world and the temptations of the world to draw us, we're going to face that death. It's going to bring destruction. Uh, remedy number two to this temptation 
Uh, Brooks states, remember that sin is most dangerous when painted with virtue. As I stated, they'll say love is love. You see the t-shirt, you'll see the advertisement. See, it's painted with virtue. It's still dangerous, still evil. We have uh, some college-age girls that come in the store uh, about once a week. They're Mormon missionaries. Uh, very well-dressed young ladies. Very polite young ladies. Uh, decently dressed. Well-mannered. It was a guy outside one day. They were telling me that they got, got a guy, a homeless guy, some food, gave it to him. So, so good, isn't it, what they're doing? Virtuous. And yet, if you go and look at what they believe, I'm not calling these young ladies demons, but they're severely, severely deceived. The Mormon religion is of the devil. I mean, it's one of the most demonic religions there is in the world. It paints it with Jesus all over it. And yet, when you delve into it, you find out that the Jesus they believe is a created being. That when they talk of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're talking about something totally different than we talk about. It's not the Trinity. Their Trinity is more similar to tritheism. They believe in many gods, but they paint it with Christianity and say they believe just like you do. No, they don't. Same with Jehovah's Witnesses. Many other groups. Uh, sin is most dangerous when painted with virtue. That's why if you turn on Christian television, I'm going to tell you this right now, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, there are snakes. There are snakes. People are going to hell because of some of the teachings on some of these prosperity preachers. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll say they believe like we do. But they don't. They t teach a different gospel. Uh in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul reminds us, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Just a reminder, religion is not always a good thing. Uh, some of the most religious people in the world have been deceived. You may hear Glenn Beck, y'all heard of Glenn Beck, conservative commentator, owns Blaze TV or started Blaze TV. And he'll tell about how that when he was, you know, when he was, I mean, he was just in, uh, how his life was all messed up until he encountered Mormonism and, and it changed him. He got religion, a lot of religious ideas. Look, Malcolm X, you've heard of him, the civil rights leader was in prison. And then he encountered uh, black uh, Islam or black Muslim. It's not the same, by the way, as Islam. It's, a, it's a, not really an offshoot. It's most Muslims consider black Muslims kind of like we see Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a, it's a fake. But he was deceived and it changed him. Or at least it changed his beliefs, but it wasn't salvation he encountered. A lot of people encounter false religion and may... Uh, they, they, it'll be long, more like a self-improvement. Beware. Remember that sin is most dangerous when painted with virtue. And I think Brooks is exactly right. Re remedy number three, 
Look upon sin as it is, evil. Look, remember, no matter what, how sin paints itself, remember it's evil. That temptation you're facing, it is evil. I want to quote to you from Thomas Brooks uh, here. He says, sin is of an encroaching nature. It creeps on the soul by decrees, step by step. Isn't that true? Uh, if you hear about somebody, uh, you know, a scandal about somebody, they, uh, a minister or somebody in a church falling into an affair, and you say, well, how did that happen? I promise you it didn't happen overnight. It probably maybe took years, decades of nurturing a sin that it encroached. Satan's very patient. Notice what Brooks states. Uh, well, let me continue. It creeps on the souls by decrees, step by step until it has the soul to the very height of sin. David gives way to his wandering eye. And this led him to those foul sins that caused God to break his bones and to turn his day into night and to leave his soul in great darkness. Jacob and Peter and other saints have found this true by woeful experience that the yielding to a lesser sin has been the ushering in of a greater. The little thief will open the door and make way for the greater, and the little wedge, little wedge knocked in will make way for the greater. Satan will draw you to sit with the drunkard, then to sip with the drunkard, and at last to be drunk with the drunkard. And he goes on and states, Sin is never at a standstill. That's something we should always remember. It's never at a standstill. It's ready. It's trying to get into you. It's trying to attack. Satan is on the attack. Look upon sin as it is, my friends, as evil, as ready to destroy you. Uh, uh, he mentions also here that until we have sinned, uh, Satan is a parasite. When we have sinned, he is a tyrant. In other words, he, he's the one that leads you into sin. And then once you sin, then he's going to be the one. He's going to, oh, look how bad you are. You're so evil and you call yourself a Christian. Uh, he said, Brooks goes on to say, oh, therefore, look upon sin now as you would look upon it to all eternity and as God Conscience and Satan will present it to you another day. Uh, so we must beware of these, this encroaching nature of sin. Uh, it is, my friends, you, you can joke about it, but it will destroy your sin will. Fourth remedy to this cause that we face uh, is to consider Jesus' great suffering on the cross. When you're being tempted, it's always good to think on the cross. To think what Christ went, to, went through on the cross. Brooks mentions in his book, uh, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, a good scripture to always remember when it comes to temptation. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? 
Now, that's pretty powerful, folks. You're being tempted by certain sin, being lured. But remember what Christ went through on the cross for that sin, my friends. There, He was separated. He bore the wrath of God. Sin was upon Him. And uh, always, uh, one of the great quotes of Thomas Brooks in this entire book, and you may have heard it before, and he states regarding this, never let go out of your minds the thoughts of a crucified Christ. And that's a failure of mine and a failure of a lot of us. If we keep in our minds the thoughts of a crucified Christ, hey, we'll win our battles. Uh, uh, We should, as Brooks states, consider that sin has slain the Lord Jesus. How it should provoke our hearts to be revenged on sin, which has murdered the Lord of glory, and have done that mischief that all the devils in hell could never have done. Oh, my friends, we, I, I like that thought. Uh, seek revenge on your sins by meditating upon Christ crucified. Don't let them get a hold of you uh, because uh, Satan wants to break through. He wants to destroy you. He wants to hurt you. That brings us to device number three uh, uh, in, in this study. And, I'm a, uh, and that is, he says another device that Satan uses against us is to downplay the seriousness of sin. It's just a little sin. Just a little sin, isn't it? That's all it is. Come on, porn use. You, porn, that's just a little fantasy. What's wrong with that? Uh, you, you, you look, but don't touch. You've heard those things, you know. Now, we go to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus states it's from the heart. You know, that's where the sin begins. I'm not going to go there. I don't have time. We'll, we'll be looking at that in more detail. Uh, but that's where your sin begins. Then it gets bigger. Remember what Paul stated, the wages of sin is death. Sin is never uh, at, a, at a standstill. It's always on the attack. Uh, now Brooks states remedy number one to this is remember that small sins have brought the greatest wrath in the Bible there in in Numbers chapter 15 verses 32-36 we have what might be considered a small sin by our standards today. Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 through 36. But I want to set this up to remember that the children of Israel had been given the law. They knew the law. They knew about the law of the Sabbath. Notice verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they brought a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto the congregation. And they put him in a ward because it was declared what should be done to him. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall surely shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Now let me state, what this man did was a willful sin. He wasn't ignorant. It wasn't like, man, I didn't know that. You ever got caught in a speed trap in a little town? I have years ago. They'll change... They'll change the speed real quick. Well, this wasn't a speed trap. There was no trap here. He willfully disobeyed the law of God. It was defiance against the law of God. What we'd call a small sin. But remember, sin is never at a standstill. God knew this. Hey, if I, you know, if I just... Here they are in the wilderness. Hey, if he just violates that, if everybody starts violating that, what, where will they stop at? We know the Israelites continued to go even farther. It was a willful sin punished by death. We can look at other places in the Bible, like uh, uh, Uzziah touching the ark. Remember, they, they weren't supposed to put it on a, a cart. He touched it, was struck dead. Fear came upon him. Uh, Small sins God takes serious. Now, we often have this idea that in the New Testament God kind of just lightened up. That he just kind of, you know, He's kind of lightened up. He hasn't lightened up. It's the same God of the, of the Old Testament is also the God of the New Testament. Uh, don't give in to small sins. Remedy number two it mentions. Giving in the small sins opens the door for greater sins. I already touched on that, but it does. It opens up the door for greater sins. A perfect example is that of King David. Uh, David, in 2 Samuel 11, I know Brother Gary's covered this. It started with what? Lust. What people today consider joke about, lust. What came next? Adultery. What came next? Murder. It just expanded. Beware of it. And one thing I'll remember this also. If it could happen to David, it could happen to you or me. None of us. God never said any of us are a man after God's own heart. That was said about David. And he fell. But God forgave him. Yes, God did forgive him. Great prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. But if you look at the life of David after that sin, it was rough. And I know, Brother Gary, you'll be covering it, already covering it. He had a lot of problems. It, just, it was just left a scar and caught. It had a, a lot of other consequences. Uh, don't say, oh, I'm a, a Lord to forgive me. There's consequences for sin. Uh, don't take God's grace. Don't take God lightly, my friends. Don't, don't, don't have that cheap view of grace. Remedy number three, Brooks mentions, is it's sad to sin against God, even a little. Remember that. Even to sin against God, it should make you sad. You should be convicted of your sin. Going back to the cross... Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. 
I know this is often used in evangelism, but it would be good for us to meditate upon this verse of Scripture in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commended His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look what Christ did for us. Look what God did to us. He commended His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every sin we commit is an insult against the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. I don't care how small or big it is. How we need to remember that. Don't forget what God has done for you. What Christ has done for you. Uh, Remedy number four, Brooks mentions, it is greater damage in small sins. It is great damage in small sins. First uh, Corinthians five six states that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Small sins will breed, can lead to even other sins in your life. The big sin, you know, we often see people who, you know, who are outrageous sinners and the things that they've done. But let it be started. It remind you that it started with little sins. It started small. It didn't just start like that overnight. It it uh, it, it built up and it got greater and greater. Uh, so we must beware of sin. It is of encroaching nature. It is always on under uh, on the attack. Uh, so and it's and it's deceiving to us, my friends. The next remedy that Brooks mentions in his book is to remember the saints, how that they've endured, past saints who have endured temptations in the Bible. Consider Hebrews eleven. Hebrews 11. Verses 7 through 11. By faith, Noah being warned of God, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should have received an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged himself faithful who had promised. You'll notice these saints here that are mentioned. Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. Yes, they had all some of the flaws that we had. You can read about that in, in, in Genesis. But at the same time, we don't, don't or I forgot Noah, Noah, <laughs> Noah, Abraham, 
uh, and Sarah, but they also, my friends, they had their faith in God in all these struggles. Had great faith. Look to the saints. Read Hebrews 11 about, the sacri- about how the saints withstood temptation. Look at how Joseph withstood the temptations of Potiphar's wife. Of how Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were tempted to bow before an idol and refused. Christ was with them in the fire. Always remember that. Uh, And number six, and this is the last one we're going to look at today. And that is, you're not able to, remedy number six, remember you're not able to stand under the guilt and weight of sin. Sin will make, make you, it, it, if for a believer in Christ, it will put a lot of heavy, heavy guilt on you, my friends. And if you stay in that sin, it's, it's just going to ruin your spiritual life. Uh, don't let's don't give in to it. Remind yourself of the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. Uh, remind yourself of Christ who died on the cross for your sins, and remind yourself that sin is evil. It's an it's it's wants to destroy you. It it wants to rule over you and I as believers. Uh, Satan uh, knows he cannot touch our souls, but he knows he can destroy our lives and make us miserable. And that's happened with many a saint. Many saints have have hurt themselves in the fight. I want to close. With Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, where Paul exhorted us, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles, that is, the strategies of the devil. Let us put on His armor daily. Let us look to Christ daily. Let us always have in our minds the thoughts of a crucified Christ and what He went through for our sins. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we are in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. A battle in our minds where Satan is seeking to wreck us and ruin us as believers. Oh, help us to always keep our our eyes upon Jesus. To always be reminded of the terrible price that He paid for our sins upon the cross. And may we never forget that daily when we're being tempted and lured away. Remember that, that Christ, the price that He paid. Oh, Lord God, uh, keep us from sin. Keep us from evil. In Christ's name I pray, amen.